0: The Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. Visit BlueChew.com for more information and to take advantage of their special offer for Locked On Giants listeners. Enter the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get your first shipment for only $5 shipping and handling. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, BlueChew.com. are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. Follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena. You can find all my work there. You can ask questions for the Twitter mailbag, whatever you want to talk about. I'm there. I'm always happy to interact with you guys. I appreciate you listening. And as we continue our summer schedule countdowns, to training camp, we are previewing the New York Giants' 2019 opponents. And on the line with me today, I have Alex Clancy. He is the host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. He is also a co-host of the Freaks, which is a talk show you can find on Fox Sports affiliate 910 in Phoenix. Alex, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: No problem, Alex. Alex, a lot of changes for the Arizona Cardinals this offseason. I think we've got to start with Cliff Kingsbury, the new head coach. What kind of energy, what kind of changes have you seen uh Cliff Kingsbury bring to this Cardinals organization?
1: Well, it's it's interesting. It's uh so Bo Brock and I, the my co-host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. When we heard that the news coming down that Cliff Kingsbury was gonna be the new head coach, we saw we were living in an alternate universe. Uh, because in essence, this guy failed calculus junior year of high school and then was bumped up to you know, A P calculus the senior year of high school. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense with sense with his losing record in college, even though he put up crazy numbers on the offensive end that he would get a job as a head coach in the NFL. But energy wise, the The phrase that I've coined over the last several months is the excitement of the unknown. Uh, The fear of the unknown is gone. Excitement of the unknown is here because it couldn't be worse than last year. And that's what Cliff Kingsbury has going for him with Steve Wilkes and the seemingly uh, inept way that he ran this offense and defense as the head coach with Mike McCoy, et cetera, et cetera. It can't be worse than last year. And that's, Part of the foundational reason that, that they brought Cliff Kingsbury in was kind of an overcorrection from kind of a, a guy that didn't really know what he was doing, was more of a defensive guy, to the polar opposite side of the spectrum with an offensive juggernaut, as it were, and uh, hopefully it'll translate to the NFL game.
0: Backing up just a, minute, uh, a moment there, were you surprised that Steve Wilkes only got one year? I mean, most coaches get, you know, they get at least a couple of years to try. I mean, were you surprised that the Cardinals pulled the plug on him so quickly?
1: Yes. And I was in a minority here. It's interesting. Uh, the, the coach that I have on, on the show that I'm on, it's everybody was ready to get them out. They're like, you know what? It's not working. Let's scratch this year and uh, we'll move forward. I just feel like if you bring in, he brought his linebackers coach over Al Holcomb to be the defensive coordinator. First time being a defensive coordinator, Mike McCoy, you know, didn't really know what he had with Sam Bradford, which wasn't much, and he was canned pretty quickly. I think that was the sign that things may have been a little different than uh, normally run franchises, functionally run franchises, when Mike McCoy was fired less than halfway through his first season here, that maybe nobody was safe. But to answer your question simply, yes, I was very surprised that he was fired after one year.
0: Now, when Cliff Kingsbury came in, obviously, everybody started thinking, okay, he's going to go for Kyler Murray, because he had made that comment about, uh, you know, if he had a choice to draft Kyler Murray, it's the first overall pick he would that be made when he was still a a college head coach, head coach, and of course he did, he drafted, um, he drafted Kyler Murray, again, was there a surprise that they gave up on Josh Rosen so quickly. And, and, and what kind of, you know, what kind of offense are they looking to run with Kyler Murray now?
1: It's funny. So we talk about this so much here that it seems just like, it seems more rational when we talk about it because we talk about it every day. Uh, the way you ask me these questions makes me, makes me think how irrational the Arizona Cardinals are as a franchise. So first off, I didn't think they were going to draft Kyler Murray, even though that, that vi- uh, the video came out when he was still at Tech and they were just about to play Oklahoma, and he's like, you know, I would draft him. Just thought he was just talking up a guy that was his opponent, that he wanted ever since he was in high school to come play for him. But as we got closer, uh, Bo and I, and you know we did the Lockdown Podcast mock draft, Bo and I, we took Nick Bosa with the number one pick because we thought that was the rational choice for a team that needed to have some sort of anchor, whether it be offense or defense. fall back on, and with the Cardinals being defensively, um, them drafting Kyler Murray was a surprise until draft day where I was like, oh man, they're going to draft Kyler Murray and everything's going to change. So that dynamic, again, with the overcorrection of just a conservative style offense where they only put up 14.1 points per game last year, dead last in the NFL, which fun fact, the 2008 Detroit Lions, who went 0-16, put up four or five more points per game than the Cardinals did last year. So I think the culmination of all of these things, just a severe lack of points put up last year in offensive fortitude um, just yielded Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury match made in heaven here.
0: And and what kind of offense, though? I mean, because, you know, the big knock on Kyler Murray is is obviously the size and whether or not he's going to be able to withstand the pounding that a quarterback has to take at this level. I mean, what does he bring to the offense that, that maybe Josh Rosen didn't bring?
1: Athleticism. Uh, the offensive line is the number one um, cog for success in the NFL, and finally people are starting to realize that. And uh, the Cardinals have had a patchwork offensive line, to coin the, the normal phrase. Um, the best offensive line in the Arizona Cardinals will have in the 2019 season will be Kyler Murray's legs. This is something that is a vast difference from Josh Rosen's stick-in-the-mud uh, pocket quarterback uh for lack of a better phrase, And the offense that they're going to run is utilizing all of Kyler Murray's skill sets, which are, for all intents and purposes, something we've never seen before from the quarterback position, such a compact frame. And everything we've seen from training camp to mini camp to him just throwing the rock with a T-shirt on, the dude is freakishly talented. If you watch the University of Texas versus Oklahoma game, Kyler Murray brought this team back he had this 70 70 plus yard touchdown run up the sideline that blew me away and that itself speed itself as Darren Sproles it'll translate into the NFL and Cliff Kingsbury's just going to give him the rock and be like let's go and it, it seems very rudimentary and kind of fly by the seat of your pants but with the air raid offense that's that's what Cliff Kingsbury's offense has coined and Kyler Murray's ability to throw the ball as far as he can and run as fast as he can. It's going to be exciting to watch.
0: Now you mentioned the offensive line and how Murray's athleticism is going to be a big help with that offensive line. I mean, where, where is the, do you still see the weakness on that unit? Is it because it's a patchwork or are there some specific positions that worry you?
1: Well, uh, the beginning of last year, AQ Simply, the center, went out with a torn ACL. That jumped Mason Cole, the third-round pick from Michigan, in to play center, even though he didn't really play center a whole lot in college. DJ Holmes' fourth-round pick was supposed to be the left tackle of the future. He can't stay healthy. Justin Pugh coming over from the Giants last year can't stay healthy. Uh, they traded for Marcus Gilbert with the, uh, from the Steelers, I think, for a seventh-round pick. He's had injury concerns. So the biggest weakness is their is their injury uh, history, and it's so unfair for these guys. I mean, their legs get rolled up on seemingly every play, and the fact that guys like Andrew Wentworth and Joe Staley and Joe Thomas have been able to stay healthy their whole career uh, into, into retirement for Joe Thomas is unbelievable to me. So the weakness is just injury history, and the, the reason why it's patchwork, it's not solely because of production. It's because these guys can't stay on the field.
0: Let's talk about the skilled position players. Now the running backs, tight ends and receivers, of course, Larry Fitzgerald back for another year. I mean, um, where is he right now? Do you have, you seen much of a drop off from him? And what about the rest of the supporting cast and what can we expect from them?
1: So Larry Fitzgerald is a freak of nature. Um, Seeing him, we've been covering him for several years now and The only drop, I mean, he's obviously getting a little slower. He's not 23 years old anymore. But what Bruce Arians did a few years back by moving him into the slot was something that makes Bruce Arians a genius. Um, Larry Fitzgerald has the best hands in the game still. I still say, I get in arguments with people all the time, I say him and DeAndre Hopkins are 1-1-A. Larry Fitzgerald will catch anything that's thrown to him. So you have that security blanket, that safety blanket that is sometimes – a tight end for a young for a young quarterback but in this case it's you know a top three wide receiver of all time the other skill position players i'll get to david johnson last are going to be babies andy isabella hakeem butler these two guys that were drafted in the second or the fourth round for hakeem butler 4-1 and andy isabella was the the child of the josh rosen trade both of these guys should have got higher than they did and they're going to be thrown into action immediately not because maybe but more likely because the offense was so putrid, so porous last year, that they are a step up, even though they've had no NFL experience from the other receivers on the roster last year. But probably most importantly this year is the forgotten one, is David Johnson, who had almost a thousand-thousand season a couple years ago, broke his wrist, and then last year was, you know, what it was, 14 points per game. And uh, Mike McCoy ran him up the middle on certain longs, Uh, with regularity so he didn't really have the best scheme planned for him this guy needs to have a breakout year again after getting paid last year uh, if the Cardinals won't have any success but DJ just look for a bounce back year this year he's quiet so he doesn't make national news all the time but he is something special in the backfield
0: do you feel that the Cardinals and maybe even their fans are putting a little bit too much in in terms of expectations on Kyler Murray? I mean, he is a rookie. And even though he's the first overall pick in the draft, you know, he, he's he's still a rookie. He's got to get his feet wet and he's got to get acclimated to the, to the pro level. So do you think there's maybe too high of an expectation on him or is it about where you would expect it to be?
1: I think expectation and anticipation are two words that get mixed up a lot. Um, expectation, I agree with you. I think they're a little high. Again, it's like in the desert, football hasn't happened for a year because of what happened last year. People are so excited. It's like a five-year-old skipping Christmas for a year. That's Everybody's so excited for what's going to happen. And Obviously, expectations will piggyback that a little bit. I just feel like this year, and it seems like somewhat of a compound and somewhat of a hedging uh, of my bet, but. Wins and losses isn't going to be the only barometer of success this year for the Cardinals. Again, I keep going back to, and I apologize, the the awful offensive output last year. If the Cardinals put up 20 points a game this year, obviously it'll yield more wins than if they put up 14 like last year. But if they put up 20, 22, 23 points per game and they win six up from three last year, that would be a win for me. And people just want to be entertained when it comes to sports. And if they win, it's great. But if you go, you have a couple of beers at the stadium, and the Cardinals put up 30 points a game and lose 32-30, lose 32, 30, that's okay, especially this year for this team. But simply, I don't think expectations are too high. I think they're right where they need to be to put a little pressure on this squad to produce.
0: And would you say that it's it's in terms of matchups, the Cardinals offense versus any opposing defense the area they're going to have to key on is Murray and that athleticism and the ability to run RPOs and whatnot.
1: Yes, I, I agree. Um, you want to take the head of the snake off first, but I think that this dude is, he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for because he, he he's not the soundbite that Josh Rosen was, you know, he's not the soundbite that Odo Beckham was or, or guys that, that have kind of put their face in front of the media in the NFL. He's just, it comes off so, when we heard his first press comments, we're like, oh no. We're kinda in trouble here. I mean, this guy he doesn't doesn't want to be here. He, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's interested in being a cardinal at all. And then you start to see that's just kind of his demeanor. He's just you could tell he's been questioned his whole life for being short for not, you know, not being the strongest. But when it comes down to it, this dude is gonna be ready to play and he's so much smarter and he knows the offense. The report's coming out, he knows the offense better than anybody. And he's never run Cliff Kingsbury's offense. He just knows it better than anybody. So with his ability and his, and his uh, acumen and intelligence, even if he's pressured, he will have the ability to check out and do the right things to get his, his, his skill position players in position to succeed, even if he's going to get blitzed or if they're going to run a different you know zone blitz, zone blitz package or whatever. He will get his guys in position to succeed.
0: Alex, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Cardinals defense. Giant fans, stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Locked On Giants here with Patricia Traina, and joining me is Alex Clancy. He is the host or co-host, I should say, of Locked On Cardinals and we're breaking down the Arizona Cardinals whom the Giants will face in 2019. We just covered the offense. We're going to turn our attention to the defense and, um, a familiar name for for those out west, Vance Joseph, I believe is now the defensive coordinator uh for the Cardinals. What can we expect from from his uh defense?
1: Well, we're going back to a three-four, so that's something that the Cardinals fans will be happy to happy to know. It's that's one of the big problems that Steve Wilkes was uh was thought to have brought in before this season even started last year was they were changing the whole defensive scheme and not really taking into account the You know the personnel that you had, which is a defense that was unable to be run with the personnel that the Cardinals had on the roster. So many things are benefiting Vance Joseph this year that didn't benefit Steve Wilks and Al Holcomb last year. And the big one was free agency. I mean, they got a couple names that were kind of under the radar. You know, uh, C.J. Mosley was a big name that was going to get a whole lot of cheese out in free agency. They went and got Jordan Hicks from Philadelphia. He's a middle linebacker. He's going to play a little inside linebacker, middle linebacker. And they got him for half the price of C.J. Mosley. And the dude's a beast, again, though, with the caveat when he can stay healthy. Um, they brought in Brooks Reed, uh, an outside linebacker from San Francisco. They brought in Terrell Suggs, who, for those that watch the Cardinals and are like, man, this is a boring team. Man, they don't have any sort of vocal leaders. Uh, it's true. All of it's true. Patrick Peterson's quiet. Larry Fitzgerald is quiet. They're all lead by example guys. Terrell Suggs isn't. Terrell Suggs is a loud man who leads by on the field and in the locker room. So even though he's a little bit older, um, or a lot older, <laughs> um, he's one of the most important signings this year. And then through the draft of Byron Murphy, uh, the steal at 2-1 out of Washington looked out to be as probably the best corner in this draft. Uh, Vince Joseph has some toys that Al Holcomb and Steve Wilkes didn't have last year uh, while um, putting in the 3-4 defense.
0: You mentioned Patrick Peterson. I think there was a report earlier that he might have been on the trading block or maybe wanted out. What exactly um can, can you shed some light on that story and where things stand with him right now? So this
1: is the timeline. Uh midway through or early last season, he said he wants out. And then, a couple days later, he writes a letter and says, "I love Arizona. I didn't mean it." And then in February, He, um, at the Waste Management Open, which is the big crazy party golf tournament here, he comes out to the 16-3 and says, I love Arizona. I want to be here. Which, listen, once somebody says they want to break up with you, people usually don't hear anything after that. Except for the people that just don't want to believe it. And, I mean, it's a very skewed conversation here. There were talks about him potentially going to the Chiefs. And the reason why Patrick Peterson said he wanted out again to say he was upset is because there were there were leaks that he found out that the Chiefs had called and asked about him, or there were discussions between Steve Kime and the Chiefs for his services. So now, to answer your question honestly, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. And I think that's a lot to say about the front office, where I give them credit where credit's due, which isn't a lot of the time, but they've kept this under wraps and hasn't let anything leak recently. When it comes down to it, the six-game suspension for PEDs, I don't know if it makes it easier or more difficult to move him. I mean, there's so many moving parts in this, and he is a top five, top six corner in the league. He's a little bit older than, than the younger guns who are taken over from that position. But when it comes down to it, I would not be surprised if he stayed. I would not be surprised if he got traded. And I think that people at this point have kind of separated themselves from the situation and come what may.
0: Last year... Um the Cardinals had a couple of guys that they lost in free agency uh, guys that the giants actually picked up Marcus golden and uh, Olsen Pierre. What did the Cardinals lose in those two players? And, you know, just for the, to spin it towards the giant fans and what they can expect.
1: Part. Uh, I was upset that Marcus golden was, was uh, let go. And they didn't, they didn't reassign him. Um, Olson Pierre, same. They are hard workers. They're hard workers in the locker room. They're good teammates. These are things, they're not the biggest name guys. They're not going to be perennial pro bowlers, but you need glue guys, and it's such a cliche, I apologize for that. You need guys in the locker room that, you know, can have some fun. They can lighten the mood. They can be good silent leaders, just good teammates. And that's the reason why they got another job after being let door and not being re-signed by the Cardinals. They're guys that you can trust that on Sunday will be there, we're in the same jersey as you and going to battle with you.
0: What do you see as the strength of the Cardinals defense? A particular position group or, or a scheme that, that maybe they plan to run? I
1: think with Chandler Jones on the edge, it's easy to say the front, even though it's a 3 4. And I guess with a 3 4 defense, you can couple the linebackers in with the with the hand in the dirt guys. But I'm going to say the secondary. Buda Baker has really supplanted himself as one of the leaders on the defense in his third season, coming into his third season, Byron Murphy is going to surprise people because the games are on at 730 and on the East coast, like where you are. um, I'm assuming that people on Saturday nights are either out or long asleep. So nobody really watches Pac-12 football, especially late when the University of Washington plays. Um, Buda Baker, Byron Murphy, Robert Alford brought over for a pretty team friendly deal from Atlanta, even though, um, you know, he wasn't, didn't produce that well last year i think in the scheme of patrick peterson when he comes back and a couple young guys in the secondary um this is going to be dj swearinger is back as well this is going to be a fun secondary to watch and hopefully a little bit more opportunistic than they were last year
0: when you look at the uh the matchups and again it's early the rosters haven't been set but if you had to identify on both sides of the ball the key matchups with you know uh that, that that you think are going to give teams opponents um, the biggest headaches? What would you say those matchups are?
1: Uh, offensively? Hmm. Um. Well, you know, it's. I think Akeem Butler is really going to surprise people. This dude is six six, two twenty. He's one of the better outside wide receivers coming out of the draft out of Iowa State. He's a freak, and I don't know why he dropped so far. I don't know why he dropped into the fourth round. Whenever, like, I give the Arizona Cardinals draft an A, and other people don't because Kyler Murray is such a question mark. I look at everybody else, and Hakeem Butler, anybody who's six six who can catch the ball when thrown to him, will be a problem for 5'10 cornerbacks and 5'10 safeties. Him, coupled with Andy Isabella, who's a burner, who led the nation in receiving last year at UMass, although, you know, a small school. I think Victor Cruz did pretty well. In the NFL, after coming out of UMass, so those two guys, I know they're rookies, and I know that they're going to be thrown into a position where it may make the learning curve even steeper. But they're going to learn on the job. I think those two guys are going to cause the biggest nightmares for the defense.
0: And what about the other side of the ball?
1: Chandler Jones. I mean, Chandler Jones, perennial Pro Bowler. uh, The dude, he just he can get to the quarterback. And if he doesn't get to the quarterback, you have Terrell Suggs, you have Jordan Hicks, you have Brooks Reed. You have guys that are hungry, that are that that are used to playing this style of defense, and uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be fun to watch. It, it's kind of an Aaron Donald situation, even though Aaron Donald plays more interior, he can go outside, and Aaron Donald is definitely a better and younger player than than Chandler Jones. But he's a guy that will cause fit for the offensive line, that will allow uh, safety blitzes to be to be pertinent, and they'll allow this linebacker to really to feast in the backfield. But I, I think. Chandler Jones is, is a problem. And again, he gets forgotten because we're on the West coast and Arizona has been relevant in the last three years. But this dude is an absolute beast.
0: And then final question for you, Alex, the giants don't have Odell Beckham jr. Anymore. They do have Saquon Barkley. They have Evan Ingram. It looks like they're going to spread the ball out. When you look at, based on what you know about the giants offense, where do you think they they could potentially cause the biggest headaches for the Cardinals defense?
1: Well, the Cardinals gave up so many rushing yards last year. And I know Saquon's kind of a, he's maybe the best dual threat in the game, taking over Alvin Kamara at this point. I mean, he he took the NFL by storm last year, but I'm going to say it to Evan Ingram. This, the Cardinals have a problem forgetting about tight ends. They just have a problem with that. And he's sneaky. Evan Ingram is a guy that's very unassuming. He just produces. He catches the ball. He's a, he's, he's got a nose for the end zone he can run seam routes, out routes, you know, post flags whatever. This dude is a wide receiver from the tight end position. So if he can stay healthy, that's the dude that I worry about the most with the Cardinals for the uh for the offensive side of
0: the Giants. Interesting. And you, may, and you bring up a good point because, you know, this spring Ingram, of course, was sidelined uh, with a hamstring strain. He's supposed to be okay. But yes, yeah, staying healthy has been a big challenge for him. What about the other side of the ball? Is there somebody on the defense? Now the Giants have have a, a relatively young defense. They rebuilt that defense. They added Marcus Golden, as I mentioned before. But is there anyone in particular that you think can, can create real headaches for the Cardinals offense, in particular Kyler Murray?
1: Well, it's funny that um, you got another boy of ours, Antoine Buffet, who played last yes. year. I Forgot think that. he's going to be the starting free safety, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah, and getting the real peppers from Cleveland was a gift. Everybody sees Odell Beckham going to a team, and nobody looks at what's coming back. That dude was a first-round pick out of Michigan. He's an absolute baller. So if you look at those two guys from the safety positions from yours, you know, you have and, and and he's great. Uh, that secondary is gonna be a problem, especially for a rookie quarterback, because Kyler Murray doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He's fairly efficient. He didn't throw any interceptions against Alabama in the in the CFP semifinals, even though they were down three scores in the first quarter. But when you look at Javril Peppers Young and Antoine Bese, who's you know a little bit a little bit more seasoned, those two guys can make a definite good team that could uh, wreak havoc on some quarterbacks
0: and sorry i have to ask you this since i forgot about antoine bethe when i mentioned former cardinals before but giant fans when they si- when they signed bethe a lot of people are like oh, they're signing a, a guy who's 100 years old this guy at least what i've seen on film he looks like he can still play what do you see in him and and what he had you know what do you think he has left in the tank
1: he can hit really hard <laughs> and that's that's important for his safety I mean, people for, people forget about Bob Sanders and Ed Reed. These guys that, that, with receivers going across the middle, they'll still be worried about a 5'10 safety. And Antoine would say, yeah, he's a little bit older, but listen, he's been the main cog in pretty much every defense he's played in, and it could be worse. You know, losing Landon Collins, you got listen, you need as much veteran leadership on the defense as you can get. And he may not be an every-down guy, But with Jabril Jabril Peppers coming in, if you can have a guy like Bethay kind of tutor him, mentor him, and and allow him to blossom faster, that'll benefit you in the long run.
0: Absolutely, and and he certainly looks like he's got some spring left in his step. Good guy to have in the locker room, definitely. Absolutely, Alex. Before I let you go, just let everybody know what you got coming up on your show. On you know what, anything special you have coming up on your on the the freaks and. You know, where else they can find you?
1: Well, Bob Brock and I would locked on Cardinals. Uh, we don't always agree, which is a good thing. Um, but we also don't just read articles and tell you what we think about it. Uh, he and I sometimes have uh, a little tough time talking, bringing up what we're going to talk about because we want to be original and we are original and we always execute. And with the freaks, picture the freaks on Fox Sports 910 as the daily show of news shows. So we talk sports, but we will talk lifestyle and we will make you laugh. And uh, we have a great time doing it.
0: Awesome. Sounds great, Alex. I want to thank you so much for coming on the program with me. Really appreciate it. And I know we'll be talking again during the season when we do the crossover shows. And I look forward to it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, Giant fans, that's Alex Clancy of Locked On Cardinals and the Freaks on Fox Sports Affiliate 910 in Phoenix. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Have a good weekend.